This week on Geek Explained, something a little different. Join me as I put the Geek Explained spotlight on Power Rangers Shattered Grid. Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, a post-op Eric Kazana, and this week's episode is our latest Geek Explained Spotlight, where I take a look at a comic book series, graphic novel, one-shot, or really anything, and just tell you about why I like it so much. And I am fresh off of surgery as I am coming to you as you are listening to this. It has been a week into my recovery, and you know, things are going okay. Things are going okay. Recovery is slow but steady. First of all, thank you to everyone who reached out to uh, send their well wishes, healing vibes, all that stuff for my surgery. I was really worried about it. Major surgery is never fun, but... I am happy to say that everything went well. Um, healing is, you know, it's going to take some time, but I'm being taken very well well care of by my partner. And uh, yeah, so I'll be honest, I wasn't planning on dropping an episode this week because I figured I'd give myself some time to rest. However, uh, I have to give it up to two good brothers, good friends of the podcast, uh, The Real Deal, Brian Real, and Malcolm Russell Nelson, who uh, got me to take this recovery time to start reading the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comics. Um, And I have just been so enchanted and inspired by them that I needed to drop an episode. So uh, this isn't going to be probably one of my more structured uh geek explain spotlights i don't have any notes so we're just going to kind of be freewheeling with this one but i'm pretty excited to talk about this comic and kind of what it meant to me over the course of my recovery uh we also have of course this week's comics countdown where i'll be chatting you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week and let me tell you there are a lot of them and so yeah stay tuned for that after the jump but Without further ado, let's go ahead and roll right on into the main event, the main course, the entree, if you will, as I put the Geek Explain spotlight on Power Rangers Shattered Grid. When I was a kid, I wanted to do two things when I grew up. I wanted to build giant robots, and I wanted to be a Power Ranger. And as an adult, as I'm staring down 30 next week, it's been really nice to revisit that mindset and to revisit that feeling. Um, This is going to be a little bit of a difference, as I said, uh, Geek Explained Spotlight. 
Uh, every month, I normally take a very analytical, very uh, note-heavy look at a book that I absolutely adore. And don't get me wrong, there is plenty of stuff to analyze and to like get into the minutia of when you know looking at this book. But over this past week, as I read Power Rangers Shattered Grid, it wasn't really about you know, the analytics, it wasn't really about the, you know, oh, the minutia of like, oh, this, what this theme means for this character in the narrative plot. It was about my feeling, right? Last week, I had a very serious surgery. And I had been worried about it. I had been stressed about it. And, you know, everything went well in the surgery itself. And Afterwards, I was in a lot of pain. Be honest, as I'm sitting here recording this, I'm still in a lot of pain. But I, you know, I toughed through it. And by toughed, I meant, you know, got some pain meds that allowed me to get through it. And when I got home, I knew that I wanted to keep reading comics. I knew that that was going to how that was going to be how I passed the time. And this book came up that had been recommended to me for years. Uh, and really, I mean, it's been recommended to me by multiple people, but I want to give a quick shout uh, to The Real Deal, Brian Real, and Malcolm Russell Nelson, my co-host in the Geek Explained Book Club, who'd been telling me that I needed to check out the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comics that they were some of the best comics going around and that, you know, I should give them a shot. And I remember, you know, first getting that, uh, that mailbag from Brian a while back. I can't even tell you how long ago it was. And not being super like, yeah, I mean, Power Rangers. Like, I mean, that I love that stuff when I was a kid, but like, come on. And then I just got, you know, I got bit by this bug. I got this urge. I got this, you know, this pushing by Malcolm to check this out. And I fell in love with this book. Like, I have not fallen in love with a book in a very long time. Um, a book that I didn't think I was going to love and I absolutely just adored. And this week, I just wanted to talk a little bit about it talk a little bit about Power Rangers Shattered Grid. Now, this book uh, is more or less comprised of two books. It's both the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comic uh, and also the Go-Go Power Rangers comic, which is Saban's Go-Go Power Rangers. I really don't know the delineation or why one of them has Saban on the branding and one doesn't, but I do know that throughout reading both the books leading up to this and then into this event I was enchanted and that's not really a I guess uh, a term that I use when I talk about you know enjoying a comic I'm not usually enchanted by a comic but when I cracked this book open for the first time I was taken back in time and I was transported, which is what good fiction does, right? But at the time, I was laid up in bed. 
I was in a ton of pain. You know, post-op is never fun, but I just needed an escape. And my escape has often throughout my life been comic books. And I was transported to Angel Grove, California, where I got to catch up on the adventures of the Teenagers with Attitude. And it was delightful. And it was, as I said, enchanting. Um, Let me look this up real quick because I want to make sure I get the uh, creative teams right. But the first book that I looked at was Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. This was written by Kyle Higgins with art by... Oh, that's going to bother me. Hold on. Like I said, this is what happens when I don't do notes and I just, you know, talk. But um, it was... me. Oh, come on. I have it on my thing here. Uh, Henry Prasetya. Henry. Henry Prasetya uh, did the art on the initial uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers book. And man, oh man, is it good. It basically recounts the first year after uh, Tommy Oliver shows up as the Green Power Ranger. I'm just going to assume... <laughs> Before I go any further, I'm just going to assume that you know the basics about the Power Rangers. Five teenagers with attitude brought together by Zordon to fight Rita Repulsa. Eventually, there's a sixth ranger. He's Tommy Oliver. He's brought in as the Green Ranger. He's an enemy, and now he's a friend. That brings it basically up to speed. And this book, at least for the first you know 12 issues, is very much about these characters and their lives trying to do the thing that I love in superhero comic books, which is juggle their secret identities with their superheroics. You know how much I love secret identities, just in general. And this book was right up my alley. And though it largely told told the story of Tommy Oliver trying to, you know, figure out what he's going to be now that he's not an enemy of the Power Rangers and getting manipulated by Rita Repulsa and all this stuff. It was really a story about found family, which is what the Power Rangers really are all about, and they always have been. And it was, you know, this first volume that really just kicked me into, like, Power Ranger mania over the last week or so. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how much this, this book spoke to me, like on a spiritual level. Um, the introduction of these characters, uh, reminded me of watching the show. It brought me back to that feeling of waking up on Saturday mornings and watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And though the book was never, you know, at a point where I was like, I need to I need to know what's happening next. I was always ready to do so. I was always ready to jump into the next volume. And that took me through the second volume, took me through the third volume, took me through the fourth volume. And as these books kept going, you know, the um what is it called? The issues that you get per volume are you get four of them. You get four issues per volume. And they told the story of something that you would never expect to get in a Power Rangers, or at least in a, at least in my 
silly brain in a simplistic Power Ranger story. And that's like multiverse theory. You know, multiverse, the multiverse is a big, you know, hot button topic right now when it comes to comic books and them deciding, oh, no, we're going to dive right into this, you know, as a Power Rangers book was wild to me. But you know, they go across and they find out there's this other Earth. And on this Earth, Tommy Oliver didn't join the Power Rangers. He became evil. He killed Rita Repulsa and took her power. And now he is Lord Dracon. And all of the, you know, all of the road less traveled evil version of yourself stuff that we've seen over and over and over again in comic books. But given this. 90s slash weirdly 2000s uh fresh coat of paint like they are very clearly still wearing all of their like 90s clothes and they're still using 90s vernacular but they're using cell phones they're talking about twitter and like all of this stuff it's oddly timeless which i really really enjoy um the art is, like I said, fantastic. Um, as the series continues, I just found myself really, really enjoying it. And this idea of Tommy Oliver deciding for himself that he wanted to be um, wanted to be a hero and wanted to be the person that other people believed he could be just spoke to me on a spiritual level. It was amazing. And by the way, I had no idea the talents that I was going to find on these books, right? Jamal Campbell does the covers, um, at least from a certain point on, and they are, let me tell you, uh, gorgeous. They are beautiful, beautiful covers. And not that the Presetia art isn't beautiful, it's very, very good. And it really does capture the the essence of those characters. It's just wild that this book was, you know, it constantly surprised me. And then as I was getting closer to the Shattered Grid crossover, I was given direction to check out the other book that was being published at the same time that would eventually feed into this uh, into this crossover, and that was Saban's Go Go Power Rangers. And I didn't know how I was going to feel about this one because I was told, oh, basically it's like a year one for the Power Rangers, which I love the year one format, but that to me felt like, oh, okay, we're going to be going back to like the basic stuff. And the, the Rangers that are in Mighty Morphin have been there for a while. They've been doing this for a while. They know what they're about. I'm, I'm not as excited about this. However, after diving into it, the Go-Go Power, Saban's Go-Go Power Rangers, I feel like I have to say that, uh, written by Ryan Parrott with art by Dan Mora. Dan Mora of basically every beautiful book you've read over the past year and a half. I was blown away as, as I've said on the podcast a couple times before, like I am an art first kind of comic reader. Like the writing can be really, really good, but if the art sucks, I'm not going to enjoy it as much. Conversely, if the writing's fine, but the art is incredible, I will pick that book up every single time. And this book, 
I, I'm not going to say the writing was so-so. The writing was fantastic. This was the moment that I was like, oh, I need to be reading this right now. And as the days have been kind of going on during my recovery, this has been my go-to every single time. Like, obviously, for the for the book club that we're doing, it's a big week for the book club, folks. I'll talk about it later. I've been needing to read a lot of Thor, and that's obviously what my attention has been on. But when I'm not doing that, when I finished my reading for Thor, I was consumed by reading Power Rangers, man. And this story was, again... You know, that really nice year one style uh, storytelling where the characters are still kind of figuring things out. They're still trying to figure out their power dynamics, both on the field and with each other. And again, the Dan Mora art really does a great job selling this to you, giving you my favorite ranger, Jason. Uh, well, my favorite of the original crew. My favorite ranger, Jason, basically being given the full on, you know, shonen treatment. I, I I dig this book a lot. And they introduced Matthew, Kim's first boyfriend, who was nowhere to be seen in the original Power Rangers series. So you got to ask what the hell happened to him. Well, this story tells you what happened to him. So it's a really beautiful, heartbreaking story. And it all kind of brings itself together for Shattered Grid. So... The characters basically, you know, in Mighty Morphin, they're able to defeat Lord Dracon. He gets transported to uh, the Prime Earth, gets captured by this person named Grace. Grace runs a company called Promethea, and Promethea is basically this giant think tank. And the backstory is that Promethea knows about the Rangers because she was a Ranger. Zordon selected her to be the first Red Ranger, the first human Red Ranger, I think. I don't know. I haven't gotten too deep into the lore at this point, but she was she was the Ranger in, like, I think it was 67 is the year. I think that's right. Uh, during the moon landing, whenever that was. And she was selected alongside uh, some other people internationally who were basically brought together for a mission to go stop a Psycho Ranger that's right, a Psycho Ranger to, you know, who is there to try and free Rita Repulsa. So they go to the moon, they fight, most of them die, only two of them survive, and after that, Zordon says, I'm taking the powers back, you go be, you know, who you are. And getting that kind of, like, you know, I hate to make this comparison, but Deadly Genesis, they they Deadly Genesis to the Power Rangers was really, really cool. And I I love tragic backstories. I just, I do. I'm a, I'm a sadist like that, I guess. But having that kind of rebound into Grace establishing Promethea and having all of these different, um, all of these different things happening in both books that paired well together. Because very easily, you know, with Mighty Morphin not being Saban's Mighty Morphin, you could see how there would be, like, discrepancies, right? And even though this is supposed to be earlier in the timeline and this is supposed to be the same timeline, you could see how they would, you know, for business reasons, I think we've all had our fill of quote-unquote business reasons for popular culture this week, you could see how that would, you know, they would interfere. But they weave this in such a way that I have to believe that Higgins and Perot or Perot or however you pronounce his last name, I apologize, 
had to have been talking about this for a long time, right? And so they craft this story of the Rangers meeting, you know, Grace and like this threat happening. They find out that Grace has been keeping Dracon. Dracon disables his prison and escapes, and we get the big old Shattered Grid crossover. Now, the crossover isn't a huge crossover, really, because the events of uh, of Gogo are pretty set off to the side from uh, Mighty Morphin and from the entire Shattered Grid event. But what ends up happening is... I'll say in Gogo first. Uh, Gogo, you know, Matt is kidnapped by Rita Repulsa, replaced with a putty. And this putty, you know, learns empathy and learns how to be a friend and like all of these things and then is exposed on homecoming night. Everyone's, you know, at the dance. And just as, you know, Matt is able to escape and make it back, uh, the the putty mat is exposed and even though it doesn't want to be Rita's slave anymore, it is taken over and manipulated by Rita to fight the Power Rangers. They defeat it and they are able to rescue their friend. Following this, they are encountered by a pink ranger who is just the most Mad Max looking Power Ranger you've ever seen. And we come to find out this is a future version of Kim the Pink Ranger, from Dracon's time, who came over to the Prime Earth to try and rescue Dracon, but ended up getting the coordinates wrong and ended up landing in Go-Go Power Rangers, which is just the most mind-bending shit that you can think of. And again, especially for a Power Rangers book, right? And so they battle with her, Uh, They're eventually able to disable her while at the same time Billy is struggling with whether he wants to be, whether he wants to go to the Promethea Foundation, uh, uh, tying things together. And they're able to defeat her and then they're able to wake her up from her programming. She helps them out. She gets to enjoy a little bit of, you know, her past. And then she decides, okay, I gotta go. I gotta go deal with this Shattered Grid nonsense. And she goes off. And before she does, she fires this weird green arrow into, not that one, into Tommy's chest before he's even met anybody. This is way prior to him becoming the Green Ranger. And then, you know, you know, shoots off back into the time stream. Meanwhile, present day, uh, following the you know stuff with Dracon escaping, Kim and Tommy decide to go on a date, which is the worst thing you can do when a supervillain is at large. And following their date, Tommy is stabbed and killed by Dracon, by his alternate evil future self. And I was not prepared for this, right? I I didn't know that they were going to go that direction. And just at that moment, the pink Time Force Ranger shows back, pops in the middle of the alleyway, gets in between Kim and Dracon, forces Dracon to escape, and Tommy's left dead in the alleyway. Like, what? We find out that the Time Force Rangers have been all but wiped out, except for the Pink Ranger, and 
we find out that the cracks in time and the cracks in the Morphin Grid are due to Dracon trying to enter the Morphin Grid itself, which is, I know, a lot of inside baseball talk. But trust me, this is like the most compelling shit that you could possibly be reading. And he has amassed his army. He is going throughout the multiverse, right? Attacking other versions of the Power Rangers. So we're talking Ninja Storm, Samurai Rangers. We're talking SPD. We're talking Lightspeed. All of the different properties Everyone's getting attacked. Everyone's being just completely demolished. And as the, you know, as the threat grows, the Rangers turn to Mallory. To, Ma- Mallory, Grace. I keep thinking Grace Mallory because I've got, you know, the boys, I guess, on the mind. But Grace is basically like, okay, we we have to deal with this. So the Power Rangers alongside the Pink you know, Time Force Ranger are like, okay, we're going to contact all of the other Rangers. We're going to create an army. And they send the word out and they do rescue missions into these other worlds to find all of these other Rangers, or at least what's left of them. We see ninjas, I think it's ninja, no, it's um, Samurai Force get completely wiped out, except for Lauren, who is the Red Ranger. And then she has this really nice, like, subtly written and off-panel, like, burgeoning relationship with Jason. Oh, it's amazing. I love it. I love it so much. And in all of this nonsense, I remembered something. How much I, to the frickin', love Power Rangers in space. Because at a certain point... They're on their like little moon base or whatever trying to uh, figure out a counterattack and an escape pod crashes onto, you know, outside. They go, they pop it up, and it's the Red Space Ranger, Andros, my favorite ranger in the entire franchise. And he's like, I want to help. Unbeknownst to him, by the way, the yellow uh, Galaxy Ranger who is his sister from a future point in his timeline, is already there. Like, oh my god, this comic does a great job in rewarding you if you were a huge Power Rangers fan for any length of time. But it also does a great job in letting you know, hey... This is the situation, giving you the backstory and, you know, bite-sized components, not data sheets. And no no shade to Jonathan Hickman, but Kyle Higgins does such a wonderful job crafting this Shattered Grid story to make it feel like the end-all be-all for Power Rangers. And they do such a good job communicating that through the art. Uh, Danielle De, De Nicuolo. I hope I said that right. I'm sorry if I didn't. Um, takes over arting, art duties for Shattered Grid. And some of the stuff in here, man, like, it is so good. It's really just from the conflicts of the Rangers to the desperation of Lord Dracon to try and acquire more and more and more uh, morphers so that he can access the grid and break it from the inside and just accruing power and becoming this like godlike doom uh, entity 
there was a moment when I knew that I was going to love this book. And it was the moment that, again, I wasn't planning on doing an episode this week. Um, it was the moment that I knew that I had to talk about this. And so everyone is kind of scattered. Dracon's amassing his forces. The rangers are kind of like, okay, we put the distress call out for all the other you know, surviving rangers to make their way to us. I don't know what's going to happen next. And then Alpha is like, ay, 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 like, we've got, like, we've got rangers incoming. And the rangers head outside, and there is this beautiful double-page splash of just our rangers standing outside of this base as lights, different colored lights, rains down from the sky. I'm like, I'm getting, like, choked up about it right now. Um, for most of you who have listened to this podcast for any, you know, length of time, I like to listen to music while I read my comics and, you know, while my music was shuffling at this point, you know, we had the, uh, uh, Lord knows slash fighting stronger from Creed and man, just that, like when I turned the page to that, uh, to that double page spread, I got the, like all the sound of that song if, if you're not aware that song has a very like uh brass and percussion heavy uh uh instrumental and then at a certain point all the sound just cuts out and you just hear the na 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 it's it is i legit cry every single time i watch this that movie and that moment happens that moment happened in this book it got right to that point as i made the page turn and just seeing the the rangers just morphing in just warping in and it just looking like a rain shower it was otherworldly i cried it was this moment of like yeah everything's gonna be okay and you know everyone's coming together and for me it was at a very important time in my recovery because I have been you know in a lot of pain as I've already said a few times now and I you you get to this point or at least I did I got to this point where I was like I don't like I don't like this this is hurting I'm constantly in pain did I do this surgery for nothing? And that was the moment where it was like, stuff's going to be okay. Stuff is like, it might not be okay right now, but like things are going to be okay. And again, it's, it's what we look for in our media, in our fiction, in the stuff that we turn to when the world gets really really shitty and it's the reason that you try to escape into fiction and into fictional characters and into fictional stories and that was the moment for me it was like this is magic i have been transported and i am enchanted by this i can't pull myself away i need to finish this story and as the story goes on, you know, they mount their final assault and you find out, you know, ugh, I, I've still, you find out Promethea, which is initially introduced as this island where it's this giant, like, 
metal structure that was built on an island that they're like, all right, we're going to shoot it into space to go after uh, Dracon. And then, oh my god, uh, Caron. Uh, I can't remember if that's how you pronounce her name or not. But Andros's sister looks at this and goes, wait a second, that's, that's, um, what is it, Terra... Oh my god, I I have to look that up again or else that's going to bother me. I'm going to vamp for a second just because it's... Again, this is what I get when I don't do notes. Um, Terra Venture. Terra Venture, which is the main, you know, the spot in uh, Power Rangers in Space. It's like, okay, there is a through line. These characters are from the future. Promethea one day will become Terra Venture, and this might be how it does that. And, like, it's it's all of these things that it's just, like, it's making my little Saturday morning cartoon self happy. And it was exactly what I needed at a time that I needed it. When I was really down in the depths, and I just wasn't mentally or emotionally in a good space. And so the the story continues. Obviously, we get that big battle with Dracon. It doesn't go as planned. And then, you know, Dracon basically pulls a Doctor Doom and rewrites reality and makes Battle World. No, no, he doesn't. But he basically makes this perfect reality where he's essentially like this Superman-esque character. Everyone bows to him. Everyone's like, oh, you're our savior, you're our hero. And then we find out that Tommy survived. The essence of Tommy Oliver, the real Tommy Oliver, the prime Tommy Oliver, survived thanks to the green arrow that uh, Nightmare Kim shot into his chest. It saved him and saved him in a little piece of the green chaos crystal. And now he's alive and well in this reality as the Green Ranger. And so he leads this, you know, rebellion against Draken and... At the end of this, right, they get to the grid and they're like, okay, we need to fix what he did. He broke reality and completely rewrote it. And so these uh, otherworldly characters called like the emissaries who are just, they're three beings. They're like the elder gods or like the, the, the right hand people of the elder gods or whatever. They're like, okay, we need to, you know, you all can restructure reality, but if you do so, you have two options. You can either put things back the way they were, or you can build something new. And you don't immediately, like, it's so funny because everyone immediately just kind of drops the build something new uh, route, and they're like, no, we gotta put it back the way it was. And they realize, oh, shit, but if we put it back to the way everything was, we're not gonna remember all this. All this is gonna be reset. And it's like, none of this ever happened what do we do here? And that was when I had an existential moment where I had to recontextualize my surgery and my recovery from that surgery. And it was, it was this moment of like, I went into this procedure to be put back, basically be taken apart and put back together in a way that, I was going to be able to feel normal again, physically. And I had been really distraught in that idea of I'm 
constantly in pain. I did all this and I'm just, I'm hurting and it's, you know, I'm broken in a way. And maybe I had done this all for nothing. Maybe it's all of these things that go through your mind and, or at least went through my mind. And in this moment, I got what I needed and it made sense to me why I needed to read this book when I did. Because they all decide, like, yeah, you know, stuff might not fit together exactly how you want it to. Um, no matter what's happened, or no matter what happens next, what has happened has happened. And even though you go through this traumatic experience hoping that everything's just going to be A-OK and everything's going to be back to the way it was... The past is the past, and you need to be okay with yourself going forward. And the story of Shattered Grid, and arguably the story about, you know, of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and Go-Go Power Rangers themselves, have been about self-acceptance, have been about going through traumatic ordeals and coming out the other side a changed person, and learning to accept that changed person. And... It clicked for me why I was loving this, why it meant so much to me reading this, why I was glued to it, why I couldn't, you know, stop thinking about it. And it took me down this whole rabbit hole of I rewatched Forever Red, one of the best episodes of television ever created. I, you know, rewatched a bunch of stuff, got myself reimmersed in like Power Rangers lore. But it was this idea of self-acceptance, of things are changing, and that's not always a bad thing. And that even though you're never going to be able to get back to what was, what could be, might be even better. And I have been going through this thought process this entire time since I read this book up until I'm recording this right now and as they you know step into the white light and we don't know exactly what happens next um, they take the responsibility of whatever happens next we're together and we made a difference and that's kind of in a weird way like how I'm viewing this procedure and this process and this, you know, very slow but steady uh, healing process. It's like it made a difference. It's going to make a difference. It's going to continue to make a difference. And even though your body is changing, even though you are maybe, you know, not as healthy as you were at one point in your life, you know, you've grown, you've changed, you've learned, and you've experienced so many things that you can continue to do things. And there are still days ahead. And that meant a lot to me. It really did. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's like I said, the, the comic I needed to read exactly when I needed to read it. And... I have come to peace. I've been able to uh, come to a sort of peace about my health, about my um, 
about my physical well-being. And I don't know, I probably mentioned this already or I will mention it again, I'm sure. Uh, I turn 30 next week. And so I'm, you know, going through all these existential crises that we all go through. I keep saying we all, like I'm just assuming your experience, but like I know that I'm going through. And maybe if you are, then it's good to know that, you know, you're not alone. I'm also going through this. And it is comforting to know that there are still days ahead. That no matter how stressed or how um, frustrated or how anxious you may feel, things will get better. You got to work for it. Often, you know, it's never going to fit into a perfect cookie cutter, everything's okay, and you never have to work for it again. But things will be okay. And you do make a difference. You will continue to make a difference. And to me, that is what the Power Rangers meant for this book, for me as a kid, all the time. For anyone who gets introduced to the Power Rangers, it's about making a difference whether that's to the world or whether that's to just one person and the comic i should you know be very clear doesn't end at shattered grid right there the stories do continue i'm right now in the very next arc which is beyond the grid which brings in simone de mayo as the artist and i'm so excited about simone de mayo on art and it's featuring my boy andros as we find the other squad of rangers that were separated from the main group in uh in promethea or as it would become to know and eventually Terra Venture, beyond in some other reality, dealing with trying to get home. And so apparently there's many more Power Rangers comics to come after that, and I'm excited to continue reading those comics and to continue those adventures and to continue to learn the lessons that the Power Rangers have always stood for and have taught people since I was a small boy. I... I am excited to continue on this journey, and I, once again, cannot thank uh, Brian and Malcolm enough for badgering me for so long to read these books, and it makes me very excited to share this with other people, people who either, maybe they're going through something similar, or maybe they're just looking for a new comic to pick up, or maybe they were fans of the Power Rangers once, and they've fallen out of favor with them, and they need to be reminded just how much they rule. Um, it's, it's something that I think is going to stick with me for a very long time because of why, because of why it not just why it came into my life, but when it came into my life. And I am going to remember this period of my life, not as the period where I was racked with pain after a procedure. It was when I discovered Power Ranger comic books. It was when I got to read it for the first time, and I got to relearn the lessons that they've been teaching for decades now. (laughs) So I hope this is a help to you. I hope you enjoy this comic, if you've read it, if you haven't read it, go go read it. I didn't even scratch the surface of the things that happen in these books up to this point. Just kind of hit the main beats with stuff here and there that I really love. But I think it is absolutely worth your time to check out. I think you should, I mean, just check out 
more stuff, right? Like I'm I'm a big proponent of the big two. That's my main readership. But over the past couple of years, I have been getting more into, you know, independent works and doing stuff that is outside the purview of DC and Marvel Comics. And I know Power Rangers like, oh, it's still a huge IP, but it's still independently run. It's still, you know, this little team of creators trying to make something really cool. And for this book, I think they really did. So um, yeah, that does it for the Geek Explained Spotlight for this month. Again, something a little bit more unstructured, something not as like themey, but more about what it made me feel. The comics that, you know, we we deal with a lot of shit. <laughs> I think is an understatement in the world that we live in. But sometimes you find something or sometimes something comes along or is put into your hands that will keep that spark alive for you, that will kind of reaffirm your faith in things. And for me, in this moment, exactly when I needed it, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and Go-Go Power Rangers and ultimately Shattered Grid did just that. Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown for the week of August 3rd, 2022. Uh, This is the segment of our show where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week, whether it's at your local comic book shop, a comicsology, or however you get your comics. These are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geek Explained Pick of the Week of last week. And for me, it was very tough. We had some good comics. I unfortunately didn't get to go pick up my comics until probably I think this past Monday as a, as you're listening to this as I'm recording this. So it took me a little bit to get to the comic book shop, but I read some really good comics this week. It's so good. So, so good. Um, I think the one that I would have to give it up to, of course, though, is Superman Space Age number one, uh, written by Mark Russell, art by the alt reds um it's just it's it's magic it's magic in a bottle i absolutely loved this book to death um superman is an easy i mean i'm an easy mark for superman stories no matter how much twitter wants to tell me he sucks and i just i adored this i really really did this honestly felt like you know, like I said last week, I think, you know, it's, it feels like it's going to be a Superman life story style treatment, which I'm not mad at at all. I am very interested to see how the rest of the series goes, the way that this issue, you know, panned out. And I would implore you to check out this series, even if you're not a fan of Superman. This might be the book you're looking for. But that's last week. This week, we've got seven books for you to check out here. So let's kick things off with Batman White Knight Presents Red Hood number one. This is written by Sean Murphy with art by Claire McCormack and Simone DeMeo. Uh, also an artist on the Power Rangers books. Uh, I have been really enjoying the White Knight world, the White Knight series, and I'm very interested to see the treatment of Jason Todd in this world, considering they already did the Red Hood stuff, but instead of you know him running away and being Red Hood or being killed, he went and joined the military, and him being the first Robin. There's a lot of stuff they have to play with, so it's going to be very interesting. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Book 1. Bruce Wayne is Batman. 
Four words that saved Jason's life and destroyed his future forever. Banished by his mentor and damaged by the Joker, the former Robin is left to become something different, something stronger, a relentless force for justice in the city, Red Hood. With nobody to answer to, he walks the dangerous line between hero and villain. That is, until he meets Gon, a local girl from East Backport who needs his help to save her neighborhood from a supercriminal terrorizing its citizens. And she's willing to fight alongside him, whatever it takes. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I love this cover, too. Um, I'm assuming Gon is the girl that's on the back of his motorcycle here. I'm really, really into this. Uh, should be a great book. And for our Batman double feature, we next up have Batman number 126. This is written by Chip Zdarsky with art by George Jimenez with other art by Belen Ortega. I really, really enjoyed Batman 125, uh, with the exception of that one thing that if you read the issue, you know what I'm talking about, no spoilers. Uh, but I'm interested to see how they follow up on that. Um, I also am really interested to see any involvement with Nightwing, which the cover is teasing. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Failsafe, part two, slash two birds, th one throne, part two. Batman has battled all manner of criminals, monsters, and supervillains, but nothing could have prepared him for what's coming with Failsafe, an unstoppable foe that can outfight and outthink the Dark Knight. But could a dark connection to Batman's past be the answer? In the backup, Catwoman is piecing together the lineage of one of Gotham's most notorious criminal families, and it's not for the faint of heart. So, I mean, yeah, two really good stories. I'm very interested. Uh, Belen Ortega draws a hell of a Batwoman, let me tell you, or Catwoman. And I am really into this failsafe idea, though I'm not sure exactly what it's all about. Hoping to get some answers here. Next up, we have Dark Crisis number three, or is it Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths number three? They announced it at SDCC, but they haven't changed the branding. Uh... I'm assuming they'll do that with four. But this is written by Joshua Williamson with art by Daniel Sampier. Uh, this book's been, you know, really good so far. I've been enjoying it. I'm still not sure exactly what direction this book is going, especially because this is supposed to be all about legacy. And right smack dab on the cover is Hal Jordan. But I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Hal Jordan gets wiped out here. Who knows? Uh, fingers crossed. Anyway, I don't know what this is going to be. B, but I'm excited to find out. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Chapter 3, Boot Camp. The battle of the Emerald Army has begun. Hal Jordan has launched all-out war on Pariah and the Dark Army to avenge his fallen Justice League teammates. But how can one man stand in the way of the Great Darkness? Meanwhile, back on Earth, Titan's Tower has burned, and Deathstroke's army has continued its scorched Earth march across the planet. To stop Slade Wilson, the young heroes of the DCU might have no other choice than to turn to the brutal tactics of Black Adam. We talking war on two fronts? We talking guerrilla warfare? That sounds really interesting to me. I'm looking forward to picking it up. Next, we have Immortal X-Men number five, written by Kieran Gillen with art by Michelle Bandini. And I am very curious to see what they do here because we are now into the Judgment Day tie-ins. Judgment Day has landed and uh, stuff's going down. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Part 5, Meditations on the X, the Book of Exodus. 
Bennett du Paris was born in the 12th century. Exodus marched forth with a sword in his hand and a shield in his heart to protect what he believes. It's now the 21st century. What's changed? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And the Eternals who dared attack Krakoa are going to discover what that means. Oh, it's Crusades time, baby! This is going to be really interesting. Uh, Exodus has always been a character that I've been interested in, but not so much to, like, do a deep dive on him. So I'm really excited to see what he's made of in this book. Next up, we have a conclusion, an ending of a miniseries, Batman Killing Time number six, written by Tom King, art by David Marquez. You you, You heard me talk about Batman Killing Time number five and how mind-blowing that ending was uh putting everything into perspective up to that point I love this book I love this book to death it's so good uh let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis conclusion time all hell breaks loose as a gang war in Gotham erupts over the mysterious artifacts stolen by Catwoman and the Riddler blood will be shed Lives be lost, and a shocking ending will leave your head spinning. If it's any more shocking than issue five, then I'm in for a about a whiplash. We're going to see. Uh, next up, we have X-Men Red number five. Uh, this is written by Al Ewing with art by Stefano Caselli. This is the book that I've been waiting to pick up since uh, Judgment Day number one. Um, if you read this, spoilers... Uh, in Judgment Day number one, Arako got wiped out. So I don't know if this is going to be during that happening, if this is going to be before that happens, if this is going to be after that happens. I have a feeling I, yeah, I have a feeling it's going to be probably the latter. Uh, we're going to see. I'm very interested to pick this up. The Hour of Uranus. Excess Deviation. No one who is not an Omega-level mutant has ever taken one of the nine seats of the Great Ring. Together, they are the greatest power Arako has ever known. And it's nine against one. So, if the nine are losing, what does that say about the one? Judgment Day has come to the Red Planet, and it's Arako's greatest test since X of Swords. Or Ten of Swords, or whatever, leave me alone. Uh... Um, I am very curious to see what happens here and very worried because we saw the aftermath. Rocco was burned to the cra- burned to the ground. We saw skeletons, some of which looked very, very sad. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But the big book of the week, the book I think you should absolutely be picking up is... The New Champion of Shazam, number one. This is written by Josie Campbell with art by my boy, Evan Doc Shader. Um, This is Mary stepping into the role of the Champion of Shazam. I'm very excited. I've been waiting on this, and it, it feels like a book made just for me. So I'm very excited about it. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Chapter one, The New Adventures of Someone Else. Mary Bromfield has always struggled to determine who she is outside her family. Kinda hard to do when you're all superheroes. Now, after Billy Batson's heroic sacrifice, the power of Shazam has vanished, and she's been left powerless. Most heroes would be distraught, but not Mary. 
It's finally time for a voyage of self-discovery as she prepares for her freshman year of college in a civilian life. But nothing is ever truly normal for this young hero, because it, she's just been chosen as the new champion of Shazam. At least according to a talking rabbit sent by her estranged brother, Billy. Will she embrace her power? Or will it take, or will it die long enough, or will it die along with this world's hope of survival against the mysterious magical forces waiting to take control? Find out in Mary's first solo miniseries, brought to you by up-and-coming comics writer Josie Campbell and fan-favorite Shazam artist Evan Doc Shaner. Yes, I'm very excited about this, um, though I am looking at the cover now, and it says part one of four. <sighs> I'm bummed that it... I'm bummed that it's not an ongoing. I'm, I'm really bummed that it's not an ongoing. But I'm very excited for this to carry me through the rest of 2022. If nothing else, I'll get to the end of this year sh just in sheer need of completing this book. So I'm very excited about this. And that wraps up this week's Comics Countdown. To recap, we've got Batman White Knight Presents Red Hood number one. Batman number 126, Dark Crisis number 3, Immortal X-Men number 5, Batman Killing Time number 6, X-Men Red number 5, and the new Champion of Shazam number 1. Oh man, some really, really hot books this week, so you better make sure to get to your local comic shop or buy them up on Comixology, because this is going to be a great week for comics. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geeksplain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, and especially subscriptions really does help me out. It really helps the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space, raises up our stock, and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast. You can write literally whatever you want. I will be forced to read it. As long as you give me those five stars, the sky is the limit. And you'll be able to join the likes of our Red 13, including Seafire ND, Josh from Panels to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork, Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider Fan, Alok and AZ, Sass, and Jedi Jesse 20. Want to see a huge thank you to these fine folks for their reviews, and I cannot wait to hear yours. If you want to be part of our Geek Explain mailbag, if you have a question for me, a message for the podcast, or anything like that, feel free to send your emails to geeksplain at gmail.com to have them read on the show. Our mailbag from this week comes from Gaius McCain. Always good to hear from good brother Gaius. Uh, Gaius writes, so I watched Thor Love and Thunder. Oh boy. And here we go again. I'm Mr. Controversial. I loved it. <laughs> then I listened to your Avengers review and I feel like you were giving it some hate. Oh, no. Uh, what do you like and not like about the film? Of course, I love Christian Bale, and Gore is the villain I was hoping for, and I love Natalie Portman in the film, but I also hate the new costume. I first saw it in toy form, and I was really scared of it being hideous, and it was. Love the podcast. Look forward to it every Wednesday. Guys, thank you so much for writing in. Um, I think 
the fact that I haven't done a full-scale review of the film for the podcast kind of tells you what I thought about it. Um, I've, you know, I've talked about it here and there on the podcast and on the book club uh, since it dropped, but I didn't, I didn't really like it. I didn't vibe with it. Uh, I absolutely agree with you that new costume is hot garbage. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you like it. I just, it was bad. Um, I thought Christian Bale was giving it the most and that he was underserved in the film, only showing up for what, a combined 15 minutes screen time, maybe 20. Uh, Natalie Portman looked great. She looked like she was doing her best and having fun with it. I just, I didn't vibe with the film feeling like it went back on the things that we had uh, established for Thor. Um, it felt like they weren't taking it seriously. And I, I've talked about this on Twitter, and I, I think it's the best way that I can describe it. The reason people don't like Thor The Dark World is because they took everything too seriously. And I don't like Love and Thunder because it doesn't take anything seriously. Nothing feels like it matters. No one feels like they care. Everyone kind of just feels like they're there for a paycheck. Um... With the exception, again, of Christian Bale, who, again, is only there for a limited amount of time. Uh, none of the, you know, changes seem to stick. No one seems to really be giving anything any weight. And I'm not saying that it has to be, like, super dark, serious all the time. But, like, nothing matters in this film. And it's like, there's the ending I really, really did not like. No spoilers or anything, but, like, if you still haven't seen the film... But, like, I just, I could not stand how that movie ended. It was just really, really bad. Um, I didn't like the design choices. I thought everything felt flat. It just, it, it wasn't for me. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't have a good time. Um, the the most excited I got was for the mid credit scene. If you know, you know. Um, and I just, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. But I am glad that you liked it, guys. And for anyone who did like the film more power to you but if you want to uh if you want to get some actually good thor content you should check out the book club just saying i'll talk about it in just a second but yeah honestly it, it wasn't for me if i had to rate it out of a 10 it'd be like a four i feel like and for me that's like being a little genuine a little generous i'm known as the everything is cool or everything is good if not great guy and it felt really bad to not feel that way about this film but I just I went out of there and I was just like I there's something missing I'm supposed to feel something coming out of this and I just didn't so um it's easily the worst thing out of phase four for me I really really did not like it I did not vibe with it at all and I just hope that you know they learn from this I know it's on track to be you know the biggest you know, most profitable Thor movie so far, which it's part of the machine now. So, like, of course it is. But, you know, I, I hope that they change direction going forward from here. But we'll see. We'll see. But, uh, again, thank you guys for writing in. If you want to have your email read on the podcast, just send your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com. Put mailbag in the subject header, and I will read it here. If you want to follow us, if you want to keep up to date with the podcast, uh, participate in polls that decide future episodes and get first notifications and teasers for future episodes that are dropping, make sure to follow us on the Twitter and the Instagram. Um, 
at Pod is the handle, and we've been having some fun, been having some not fun on this uh, on this Twitter ride as well. Twitter's an unsafe place, but uh, we're trying to make it a little bit better with some good comic book talk. So uh, yeah, if you're interested in that, if you're into social media, feel free to follow us there. And finally, every single Friday is the Geek Explained Book Club, where... I, alongside my amazing friends, Jacob Brown and Malcolm Russell Nelson, are currently going through every single issue of every single volume of Jason Aaron's Thor as part of the Days of Thunder. And this week is a big one. Part 9. We are tackling the huge War of the Realms event, and... It is massive, it is incredible, it is amazing, and it is absolutely going to be worth your time. If you haven't yet, go back in the archives, check out the previous eight parts. They are all amazing, chronicling his first uh, book with the God Butcher all the way up through the saga of the Mighty Thor till today till two uh this friday when we'll be talking about the war of the realms um we're going to be talking about the event as a whole the thor tie-ins as well as tie-ins that each of us are bringing to the uh to the show so make sure you again stay tuned to the social medias for the announcements on which tie-ins we will be bringing uh yeah that's it's it's just amazing. I have a ton of fun with the book club with my good brothers malcolm and jacob and it's just a really good time and as we are winding down, there's only 10 parts of the Days of Thunder. What are we going to be doing next? Who knows? So uh, make sure you stay tuned for that, and that'll be dropping on Friday. But that does it for this week's episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Again, this was a little more loosey-goosey than I am used to uh, doing, just because I'm still recovering, and the pain meds are still, you know, treating me right. So, um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I will see you right back here uh, Friday for the book club, and next week for another episode of the main Wednesday podcast, Same Geek Time, Same Geek Channel. But... For now, for the Geek Explained Podcast, I've been Eric Azana. Thank you so much for listening. Everybody stay safe, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.